Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just, um, we recognize that we're in a holy moment, a holy time, just set aside to worship you on this special day. You are everything to us. You are our God. You take care of us. You love us. You are our Father. I pray that you would teach us our wonderful things today. I pray that our faith in you and our faith in your chosen instrument, the church, would be encouraged today, that our souls would be lifted, that our faith would be built. For those who are struggling to be comforted today, Holy Spirit, would you comfort them? For those who are struggling even with their faith, would you answer some questions and clear some things up in their soul and their mind? And we pray that you just do your work as we open up your word and we learn today, Father. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to start off by reading a few verses from the scriptures. It's from Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. And those are the scriptures we're going to be learning from today. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to store, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're going to begin a sermon series today called Engage, in which we're going to talk about how we can engage in the mission of Restoration Road. And I just want to give you a quick a summary of what the mission is. We exist to see people restored by the gospel. We exist to see people restored by the gospel. And let me help unpack that a little bit for you. We look at his restored life as someone who is restored to God through the gospel. Someone is restored to community because of the gospel. Because to love God is to love others. And someone who's restored to purpose which means their life's main aim, its highest aim, is to advance and to share that gospel. That's what we would call, in big theological terms, the Great Commission. Jesus says, this is the greatest aim of everyone who would follow me. Would you go throughout the whole world? Would you go throughout your own town? Would you go throughout your own home and your family? And would you share this gospel? And for all those who believe, would you baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit? This is life's greatest ambition for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus as the Christ. And today we want to just talk about, we're going to start a short sermon series over four weeks. We're going to unpack ways, practical ways, where everyone who calls Restoration Road Home or is looking for a local church can engage in this mission. The first one today, we're going to talk about attending and inviting. Next week, we're going to talk about connecting to a group, what it really looks like to be in community with people. The following week, we'll talk about serving. God has given each one of you gifts to cultivate, gifts of the Spirit, to use, to advance the gospel, to help people, to do good in the world. And we all as one body are called to unite those gifts for the glory of God, our own joy, and to push back on darkness. Then we'll talk about what, is it, what does it look like to give and be a giving people. So today we'll start with attending and inviting. So we're a young church plant, but we've set some goals this year, and I want to share those goals with you. The goal is we're praying for 100. 
We're praying for 100 people in attendance this year at Restoration Road at our services. We just came off of our biggest month in attendance ever. We hit 85 on Christmas Eve. It's getting big around here. You understand me? But, they, oh, we got to clap. You don't get clap. <laughs> so God, it was the biggest attended average over the whole month. God is really doing something. He's bringing a lot of families here. He's calling people to this local church. And we're, we're thankful for that because we need people to use their gifts to call this church home and to feel on mission with us. The second one is we're praying for 100 people in small groups. Right now we have 45 men, women, and children who are part of a small group. The third thing is we're praying for 100 gospel conversations. We are setting a goal this year, and we're sharing it on our kind of church's social media. We're trying to have 100 gospel conversations, and we had a training in the fall for that. That means basically 100 times where we talked about God and the gospel with people, and that could have different stages. People in their brokenness had different questions. We want to have at least 100 of those this year, and we want to give 100,000 more in local giving. As God continues to bless us, we want to bless others. So we're praying for 100, and we're, we're calling people to just, who the Holy Spirit is leading here, to walk alongside with that mission that God's giving Restoration Road. We really have a heart for the broken. We have a heart for the fatherless. We have a heart for the addicted. We have a heart for the abused. We have a heart for all people. We want to see them restored by the gospel. And we're going to give you real practical ways that you can jump in on this and be a part of this this coming year. And so we'll focus on three things today. We attend church to be encouraged. We attend church to encourage. And we invite people into an encouraging and loving community that does good works for others. Like the church is made to be a powerhouse to do good in the work, to get into broken places, to take care of the poor, to care for the town, to take care of those in need. The church is a powerhouse for that. It's God's chosen instrument for these things. And so let's start here. We attend church to be encouraged. In that scripture I just read you, Paul is encouraging the people to not give up hope. Don't give up hope. And the way you don't give up hope, the way you keep your faith lifted, the way you keep pressing on is by gathering together to be encouraged. He understands the importance of meeting together because of the confession we hold. Most of us here, some of us are working through our faith, and we love that you're here to think through those things. But those who gather in the local church hold to the greatest confession. Our greatest confession is this. We believe that the Son of God died for our sins. He was buried three days, and he rose again to offer eternal life to all who would believe in him and who would follow him. That's a great confession that most of us here are making, and that's why we're here today. We believe that confession and holding fast to that and living according to that and the Spirit of God in us driving us, that that is the greatest truth that we hold on to that has great implications for eternity and how we live our life. Now, being in a broken world, that faith can be tested. Seeing evil seeing our own failures, seeing our own weaknesses, being let down by others, our faith can be tested. It can get tough to hold fast to that confession. And the instrument that God has implemented in this world for us to hold fast to our faith and live for good is the church. It's gathering 
together to be encouraged. The Holy Spirit is urging us through the scriptures, do not forsake meeting together because in doing so, you will be encouraged, you will keep faith, you will grow in Christ, especially another great confession we make, as the day draws near when Christ will return and make all things new. We meet together to be encouraged. So the question becomes, as I thought about this in our culture, the question becomes, if we don't meet regularly with other believers to practice communion, which is celebrating the Lord's death until he comes, remembering our Savior, if we don't meet regularly to practice the ordinance, what they would call a baptism, to see new people baptized, baptized into the church, if we don't meet regularly to worship and sing to God together and to give as an act of worship, if we don't do that, the question is the why we wouldn't do that, right? And the question as I, I tried to tackle this and think about it, I think it is this. I heard a preacher say this over the past few weeks. I think we've questioned if we believe in the church anymore. We believe in God, many of us. If you ask us, we say, I believe in God. But do we still believe in the power of the church? Many confessions, like the Westminster Confession, even songs we sing, we say, I believe in God's holy church. I believe in it. I believe in the power of it. I believe it pushes back on darkness. I believe people are saved through the gospel that's preached there. I believe people are baptized. But through our experiences in life, do we believe that the church is still powerful, that it's God's chosen instrument, that it, it makes a difference in our life, that it can change other people's life, that the earth can really be restored through the gospel it proclaims over and over again? The question becomes, do we believe in the church. And something I want to encourage you in today. That the Holy Spirit was saved through the scriptures. Don't give up on the church. Believe in his holy church that he died for. Believe he calls the church us his bride. He laid down his life for his bride. And God didn't make a mistake when he chose the church to be the instrument to push back on darkness and to extend the gospel that saves souls for all eternity. That was a beautiful work that Jesus has done and that he continues to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to fight, to gather, to meet, to be encouraged at church, to keep the faith, to share the gospel, to worship God. Amen. You might be someone who's hurt by the church. It may be you're struggling with believing in the church. First off, I want to say I understand. But I pray that you hold fast to God's promises. To attend with other broken believers. To be encouraged in the gospel that heals and restores. Maybe you're someone who's felt condemned by the church. Rather encouraged by the church. I understand first and foremost but I pray that you continue to attend church and meet with other believers to revel in the gospel of grace in which there's no condemnation for all who believe, amen? Maybe you're someone who left the church because of materialism or consumerism. You said, That's, I don't want to live my life for worldly aims. I want to live according to a different way. I understand, but I pray that you don't give up on the church 
but you're encouraged that Jesus says, if you have him, if you have the gospel, if you have the church, you have everything. And it doesn't matter if you're poor or rich, have a home or don't. If you have Jesus, you are rich. Amen? That's the heart of the church. That's why you can strip me of everything. You could take all things. But you can't take Christ, so you can't break me ultimately, right? That's the claim of every Christian apostle Paul. He said, what, you got death? There's no sting on me. Christ is everything. I've had a home. I've not had a home. I've been praised by man. I've been hated by man. I've been applauded. I've been booed. But I have Christ, so I have everything. This is the heart of the church and the heart of the gospel. And when you come here on Sunday, I pray that you know that God loves you where you are, how you are, and he sent Jesus to save you, and he's doing a work in you, and that you're encouraged in the love of God because that's the greatest identity. Amen? Secondly, we intend to encourage others, and this is something I want us to really think of as a church. I, I follow this uh, prominent psychologist that's going everywhere, and he's selling out venues, and he's writing books, and people are just gathering. And he was in, being interviewed, and they asked him, what is it you're doing? He's saying, I'm just encouraging people that they can make it. I'm encouraging them that their lives can change. I'm encouraging them that cycles and habits that are detrimental to their soul, that if they make these few changes, it can give some life to them. That's all I'm doing. And he began to cry as they asked him, and this isn't a dude that cries a lot. They, when he said, when people come, and this is the kind of stuff, before I jump there, he's basically telling, like, a big idea of his room if you want to get your life in order, start by cleaning your room. Wow, that's revelatory. He said, clean your room. Like you're out there trying to change the, the world, you can't put the bed sheet on. Right? Like start in your room. Someone's like, man, I should have made my bed today. I would have felt better. He said, start here. And then step by step, incremental growth. I have hope that you can take steps into the future to be a life-giving person that really cares for people and is there to help for people and can carry some weight and responsibility so people can lean on you. And he's in tears because the people come up to him and they say, I needed encouragement. I was dying for encouragement. You told me I could make a change and he began to weep. What does that tell us about our culture? We are dying for encouragement. We are dying to be encouraged. And this is very hard in our Boston culture. Many of us are born and bred Bostonians. Let me tell you what we don't do good. Encourage people. You could be losing weight. The Bostonian will say, how skinny are you going to get? Right? You clean your room. They'll be like, you trying to make me feel bad? You think you're better than me? This is how we respond, right? I'm getting married. I'm going to do it. Have fun with that kid. It's a cage. We in Boston know the art of discouragement. We know how to ruin a party. We know how when someone's feeling good about the next step in their life, we, we know how to, we call it, I don't want them to get a big head. AKA, we're insecure. And the competency of others threatens us because it means we're not moving forward in our life. So we can't praise others because it makes us feel insecure. Right? When we can't encourage people, it's because it makes us feel less. But the scripture has good news. The good news is we can come here every Sunday securing the gospel, and we can encourage people in their lives. What a wonderful teaching. When you meet together, make it your aim to track someone down and encourage them. Right? I, I'm talking to myself when I'm thinking, 
my main thought Saturday night, I'm not walking around, how do I encourage that person tomorrow? Well, a little bit, because I preach, I guess, a little bit. But how powerful is it if we consider each Saturday night, each Sunday morning, when people attend, because it's stressful to attend church, right? Especially when you haven't for a little bit, it's stressful. My friends say I'll get hit by a lightning bolt. That's AKA I've been doing something wrong for 20 years, and I feel like God's finally going to get me in church, right? But what if everyone's aim was when someone walks through those doors, I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to say something that lifts their soul. Encouragement is so powerful. There's a quote out there. One encouragement can cause you to ride on a high for one month. Oh, that person encouraged me. They said something good about me. They said, I can do it. They said, I can make it. They said, it will pass. They said, God is good. They said, God has a plan for your life. You say, you know what? You are a great sinner, but God is a great Savior, and his grace has overcome your greatest weakness, and you are not defined by your failures, but by the cross of Christ. You know what that does to a soul? You walk out here, you know, I'm 5'8 with a good pair of sneakers. I feel 6'3 walking out of here, right? Get those heels on. I'll hit 5'8 on you. I put it on the license. Short man complex. It's just a, a powerful thing. I mean, I know, I'm sure many of you said, said to yourself, I want to be a more loving person. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. I want to be more loving. I don't want to do loving acts because it's not about the acts. It's becoming the person who is loving, and then you'll commit loving acts. So we're not praying to commit acts. We're praying to become a person by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that just walks in love. We're not trying to commit kind acts. We're trying to become a person who is kind, and then your life is kind to others. I know you all have said, I don't want to live wastefully. I want to do good things in this world. I want to live for that. I want to do that. I want to breathe that. I want to look back on my life and say it was spent on good works. Do you know the fuel for us being loving people and the fuel for us doing good works? The encouragement of the body of Christ. That's the fuel. So you got the car you want to love. You want to do good. But the way to do it is to meet together, to attend and encourage each other. And you'll say, I have a calling. I have a purpose. I'm going to love this world. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to have a good attitude at work that shows off the light of Christ even though it's hard. I'm going to give generously to care for those in need. All those things. When you say keep pressing on, keep doing it, don't grow weary in that because of the reward for all who live in this manner. Amen? But what if we at Restoration Road every Sunday we came in here, so I heard this from a preacher. It was wonderful. What you won't see in the scriptures is gather together and criticize. Can't wait to go there and criticize the guy for how he dressed at church. How dare he not wear sleeves to the holy gathering? Did you see that shirt a little tight now? It doesn't say gather to criticize. It doesn't say gather to judge. Look at them. What, they shouldn't be in church. They're not good enough. This gospel says who's good enough to stand in the presence of God if it wasn't for Jesus Christ on the cross. Gather together to encourage each other that his grace is good, that Jesus really was the son of God and is the son of God, that Jesus really did die for the sins of this world, that Jesus really was buried, that he really did rise again and everyone who believes in him and follows him really, really will live forever in the presence of God with every sin wiped away, all evil done with, death will have no sting and we, sin, uh, death will have no sting and we will gather together to rejoice in God's grace. Do you believe that? We attend to encourage others. I, 
I want us to really think about that. And thirdly, we invite people to be a part of a loving, encouraging church that does good works. I want to share to you a wonderful, encouraging text. A lot of times someone will text me something and I'll say, thank you for the encouragement. And it's not cliche because when I get a little encouragement, man, I eat that stuff up. I try to save remnants of it, throw it in because it can get negative out there, right? It can get negative and it's tough to keep on when all you hear is darkness and negative and complaining and we can't make it. But when you hear that encouragement, so I got a wonderful text that I read after our Christmas Eve service from someone who's here and I'll, I'll was part of this church, and I'll keep it anonymous, but, and I'll kind of paraphrase, I can't remember every word, but they said, I'm driving to the Christmas Eve service, for, and for the first time, my mind is at ease, I'm at peace, and basically, I'm paraphrasing, God is doing something in my life, and it's because of this church. I have never felt this kind of peace, this kind of joy, this kind of rest, and this kind of ease, and I just want to thank the church for that. And what a wonderful day to, a way to enter Christmas Eve meal, huh? I, I was just so thankful for all of you. I was so thankful for the culture you're setting. I was so thankful that someone could find the gospel and be loved and encouraged in a church. That's the power of the church. One soul at a time, restored by faith, and we keep fighting for it because it's easy to give up. Because you know what? Not only do we get hurt, we hurt others. That's why Jesus said, pray this. Forgive me my trespasses and those who trespass against me. But sometimes we can forget and we think only people are hurting us. We don't forget. We don't see the way we've been hurting each other. With our, uh, we're insensitive and we, we're not conscious of the way we treat others and our personality faults and all those things that make it hard for others in our families, our friends, and all those things that they're regularly being patient and have to forgive us for. So we almost feel like we're um, praying from a place of sinlessness, but the truth is we all need to forgive each other constantly. Marriage is a big bundle of forgiveness. You're bugging me again. I forgive you. It's a big bundle of mercy. But you love the person so deeply, but you're there to encourage each other and to lift one another up. So what I want us to be doing as we intend and encourage, I want us to be inviting people into this community. Isn't it wonderful to get an invite? Do you know some people think, I've a lot of questions, am I allowed to come? It's a church, bro, it's open for everybody. But me, you know me, you know how I live. I was like, anyone can enter those doors because of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to get an invite because we all know how it feels when you don't get an invite. Oh, they didn't invite me. Oh, I see how it goes. But God wants us to be inviting everyone into his church. And I want us to be really thinking about who are we inviting into the body of Christ to feel loved, to be part of this encouraging community. People are dying to be part of a community that shows grace to one another. You mean I can come here and make mistakes? I can come here and go through seasons? I can come here and almost give up? I can come here and be difficult? I can come here and have a good season? I can come here and love? I can come here and be introverted? I can come here and be extroverted? I can come here and I lift my hand? I can be a come here and I'm a person I'm never going to lift my hand ever. Yeah, you come as you are. People are dying to be invited in a community where you can be who you are as God continues to change you by his grace. Amen? 
People are dying to be invited into a community where we care for the poor and we, we understand that life's not meant to live for material things, but meant it's better to give than to receive. People are dying to be part of a community and invited into a community where they can be encouraged. You know, because out there, there's pe- plenty of different communities where people are inviting people into them. Let's just talk about real obvious ones, detrimental ones. Detrimental ones. There's many drug communities where the people are constantly inviting people into those drug communities. And you know their promise? There's a lot of pain in this world, but this will give you momentary freedom. Life is hard, but if you just take this, I'm not saying life's going to get much better, but for these moments, you will not feel the weight of the pains of this world. You know there's evangelists out there for the drug community all over the place. Come on in. Life is pain. Just try some of this. It will ease your pain. Do you see that? There's other secondary and third things that people are always inviting people in that might take the place of gathering with God's people. One thing I see in Wakefield, like on Sunday, everyone's running, and running is good. Get your cardio good. Kill the calories. Go for it. That's a good thing. But when a running community, right, when we find that running or hiking or these things are taking places of gathering with the people of God, we've taken a good thing and made it the ultimate thing and replaced the house of God with something that was meant to bless us. Does that make sense, guys? So Jesus is saying, don't, these things are good. Run, ride a bike, hike, but meet together to be encouraged. And it goes on and on, there's communities. There's a secret society that I call the mafia mentality society. It's the beat the man society, where they are constantly trying to get you to join this community, right? You beat the man, man. Stay quiet. Join this community. It's underground. Live like this. This will make your life better. You can have your persona, but you live like this. There's all kind of communities out there inviting. What the church is doing is saying there's a different way to live. There's a different way to live, and it's like Jesus. And you don't live for the material. You live to give. You don't live to be violent, to get everyone back who treats you wrong. You live to turn the other cheek. That there's a real hope. See, those communities are always drawing on us, saying, be like me. But Jesus is saying there's a different way. I'm reading a book called The World Lit on Fire, and it's about medieval times. And what happened was, I'll give you a little history lesson in about 15 seconds. Gothic tribes come in. The Huns come in. Roman Empire is falling. Um, other Germanic tribes are joining. They take out the Roman Empire. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. They're doing horrible things to, to people. It's, it's horrendous. Now, then the chieftain, the head of it, kind of takes the place of all the tribes, and he converts to Christianity. He says, I believe that Jesus is divine, and I get baptized. But you know what changes in his life? Nothing. He still acts the same way. He still kills the same way. The same violence, all these things. And the missionaries got so discouraged that they said, we can convert them, we can baptize them, but they're not following the way of Jesus. See, the early church, they were actually called the way because they looked at the way they lived and they said that was the best way to live. They cared about people more than they cared about this world. They didn't care about riches. They cared about taking care of the poor. They forgave quickly because they just saw their Savior die. They lived in a manner that they said, that's the way. It's totally contrary to the way the world's demanding me to live. I want to live a simple, quiet, 
God-honoring life where I forgive much and I love much and I'm gentle people. I don't want to live with the worldly dominance trying to beat the man and, and fighting for my spot and constantly trying to get people back and you don't know who I am and I'm going to get you back and you won't even know it. He said, that's not the way. The way is to turn the other cheek. The way is to pray for those who spitefully use us. The way is to invite people to forgive their enemies. Not only forgive them, but to love their enemies. The way, if someone tells you to go one mile, what did Jesus say? Go second mile. The way is not to live so people praise you. The way to live is so that your life is pleasing unto God. People are hungry for that way. Can we be a kind of church that continues to create that culture that we intend and invite people to live like that? That's a wonderful thing. So I'm going to give you three application points on how we do this. The first thing, very simple. We're asking you to attend and to pray. Will you be one of the people who is consistently here so we hit that 100 mark every Sunday? That's a good incremental step for 2019. Just by your attendance, you're saying, I believe in the church still. I believe in the power of the church. Imagine 100 encouragers every week filling each pew here to worship Jesus and build up the church. That is powerful. Nathan, I thank God for you every moment of my life. Would you pray for 100 with us? Would you believe for 100 with us? Would you be one of the 100 people, like I said, who's saying, I believe in God's holy church still? Yeah, the church has let me down. Yeah, we're broken. Yeah, we have failed. But I still believe God can use broken vessels to do wonderful things in this world that change lives. Secondly, this is the big ask. I want you to invite one person to church this week. People are starting to sweat already. What are you talking about? One person this year. If we all invited and prayed for one person that joined this church family and lived for good in God's glory, we would double in impact, double in joy, double in encouragement, and double the good works we can do for a hurting world. Just one. I got a wonderful encouragement from someone goes here uh, yesterday. They say invited three people in the past few months. And they say, I don't normally do that, but I feel encouraged too. And they invited three people. That's serious. I love that. I want to ask you right now, who are you going to invite? Who's that person that popped into your mind? Who is that one you're going to pray into this church family? Who is that one you're going to encourage as they become part of the church? I want us to invite in two ways, the personal invite, because we run into only so many people, and God will put people in your life that you can invite to church. Pray for them, invite them. But the second thing I want to ask you to do, for those who are on social media, because we live in a social media time, I just got on Instagram after one year hiatus, because I'm such an introvert that it's hard for me to get on social media. <laughs> it's hard to share life with people. And I want you to know, as one of your it's hard. I have to push myself. One of my whole prayers last year, Lord, you need to teach me to love people more. Anyone else struggle to love people? I'm not talking about the four you really like. I'm talking about the rest of the world. And this is from your pastor. We all, like, it, it's a struggle to love because of our own self-righteousness and pride. But so, and I'm not saying if you're not on social media and God's called you that, I'm not trying to put you on social media today. 
But if you are on social media, some of you have come to this church because of Facebook or because of Instagram. You saw there was a church that was starting, that was life-giving, and you came. It can be a wonderful tool to advance the gospel, amen? And there's nothing worse than going to a page and seeing that they have three likes. Who feels comfortable going to church that has three likes? And it's like the pastor, his wife, and they made the daughter get on Instagram just to let it follow it. Our goal, I'm going to be very practical here. We're trying to get 500 likes on Facebook. We have 431. You can help the cause. Make people feel safe. That is a good place to come. <laughs> on Instagram, we have 155 followers. We're trying to hit 200. Would you help the cause? Give us a follow. And what's the last one? Oh, this is the one mostly I, I really want to push you guys towards because it's actually the church's social media site just for us called The Realm. And there's prayers on there. I, I've wrote a blog on 2019 just about growing in our spiritual disciplines and what you guys have planned for the year. Yesterday, I, I wrote a, some, just a little something about what does spiritual friendship mean and as we aim to be better friends to one another. And people post pictures and they share life together. We have 32 adults on there right now from this church. We have roughly 70 adults that call this church home. Can you help us hit the mark of 70? There's going to be 16. We got cards out there. We've got 16 of them. If we run out of them, to God be the glory. But someone from the uh, hospitality team will be there. Will you join the realm, get more connected? So we can, like on Facebook, if we're having uh, an event, you can just share it. On Instagram, if something happens, I don't know Instagram, uh, but I know more hearts make it feel better. <laughs> on the realm... Be one of those people that when someone tries to engage and write something that's bringing us closer to Jesus, that you say, you know what? I'm going to engage. I'm going to give Realm Awards out this year, like the Dundies, for people who engage on the Realm. So that's two very practical ways you can help. And the final way, in closing, would you make it your aim to encourage one person each time you came to service? that you wouldn't leave here without saying, I'm going to encourage somebody. I'm going to walk up, I'm going to look in their eyes, and I'm going to say something that's life-giving to them. Because it's a wonderful thing to leave church and to feel lifted up by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because Jesus died for us, and not only us individually, he died for his bride, the church, because he knew the church would be his instrument to bring salvation all throughout the world. And we, many of us here, found Jesus because people were faithful to church. They intended and they invited and they shared the gospel and they made a place and they made a sacrifice in a home where people still believe. People are giving up faith all over the place. They're giving up on God, they're giving up on the church, they're giving up on Jesus. They call him just a good teacher, not a savior, but he's the savior who died and gave his blood to bind us together as the church. And the church was the instrument used so we could have faith. We must fight for it. We must attend. We must invite. We must encourage. We must be encouraged. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us to hit some of these marks, Lord, because 100 people is 100 souls who are growing in you, and the world is a better place when people are seeking after your son, Jesus. Would you help us? Would you help us grow in 2019 and help us believe in your church and believe in the power of it? Would you put people in our life to invite? Would you help us get courageous with... Um, 
sharing invites and calling people to and sharing the gospel? Would you help us grow in our insecurities so we actually become a life-giving person that can encourage others? Lord, we all know we struggle with that because of our insecurities. But help us to learn that the gospel makes us fine in who we are. Lord, you make us fine in who we are. We are not loved by you because of how we look or how we perform or what career we have or our failures and mistakes. We want to remember and hold on to we're defined as children of you who are loved and who are made clean through the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. Only you can do this, and we believe you for it. Amen.